Yes, people, how are you doing? Okay, so this is episode 14 of Echo Chamber. And as we do each week, let's get into the top 10 of the UK box office. This time is for the weekend of the 25th to the 27th of January. Okay, so at number 10, Love Yourself in Seoul. The BTS World Tour. Um, yeah, so that is... Um, I think BTS is like Korean pop, J-pop. Um, so yeah, that was screened in the cinema, as it would seem. At number nine, we have A Dog's Way Home. At number eight, The Mule. At number seven, Dragon Ball Super Broly. At number six, The Favourite. At number five, Mary Poppins Returns. At number four, we have Stan and Ollie. At number three, we have Vice. At number two, Mary, Queen of Scots. And at number one, Glass. Now, I said last week that I was going to go see it for this week. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to. But we have got some good reviews. So sit tight and get ready. Boom, we're just about to go. So the first film I checked out this week was um, Distorted. This is directed by Rob W. King. Um, it's written by Arne Olsen. Uh, it stars Christina Ritchie, Brendan Fletcher and John Cusack. Uh, it's, yeah, it's probably, I'd say, an action mystery drama type of film um and the storyline is lauren who's played by christina ritchie and her husband russell brendan fletcher move into the principal a luxury high-rise boasting the latest design features and integrated security systems while the couple settle into their new high-tech home Lauren experiences a devastating delusional episode which she blames as a symptom of her bipolar disorder. It is not until Lauren is exposed to Vernon, John Cusack, an investigative journalist with an interest in cyber conspiracies that she begins to suspect the pinnacle may be using state-of-the-art control systems to subliminally brainwash its residents pitted against her friends her psychologist and her husband lauren sets out on a dangerous flight to uncover the truth so yeah that is the general gist of the story now it is an odd little film this one um because i think that you you're, you're trying to decipher like where it's actually going and what the actual intent is because i think 
you're getting these kind of confused messages, really. And that, it kind of muddies the water when, you know, you're trying to be, a, you know, this filler, this kind of mystery. Because when you're given certain information, you're kind of like, really though, it, would that be the case? Like, how does this... Be, I think it was just kind of the... I guess the framing of the film puts you um, at odds with the whole concept. Because basically we start with um, Richie having this weird kind of visiony dream... And so she's all panicked about, oh, someone's broken in, like, what's happening? Uh, like, is someone trying to kill me? And this. So that's what prompts them to move to the pinnacle. Which does seem like it's an ultra expensive place. So you do wonder, you know, because you don't really know anything about this, you know, this couple, Lauren and Russell. Like, you know, what do they do for for work? You know, how do they afford this apartment in this big uh, state-of-the-art complex? So you have these questions and, and you know, you're wondering what's going on. Um, then it becomes clear that she's seeing a therapist, and all the way through, you're kind of suspecting that something big, something traumatic, some big loss has happened in her life, because it's not until she sees um, certain things that you, she starts to get these kind of weird visions and, and, and thoughts. So you're thinking, okay, right. So, yeah, did this happen to her previously? Is this the cause for, um, like, what's going on? And, yeah, I, I, I think because of this that you wonder why is it that um that, you know if she's having these things before then why is it suddenly a big concern when she's there because she was already having them so that's the kind of odd conceit that I, I couldn't quite get my head around with this. Also, she refers to her condition as bipolar. And it does seem like it's more of a um, schizophrenia paranoia. So, I, I you know, there's just a few kind of things that you're just like, what, so what actually is going on? And then you wonder, okay, so if something is going what why her like why was she you know so conceding considering there's all these other people there why was she picked and 
ink there's there's questions that just are never answered you know so why is she believing um vernon kuzak's character yeah there's just these kind of underlying questions that then give you pause when getting behind the greater narrative of the film like the end is a bit abrupt it is not abrupt as it just ends but with just realizations and um revelations i think you know because from what you've seen to suddenly for these other things to kind of happen and fall into place it seems a bit like oh okay but would would that really be a belief at that moment in time though you know that's the big question here so I, I yeah, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite like Kuzak, it it's not his best performance, you know? Um and I feel the same with Richie. Like Fletcher it it's hard to say because he He's, I think he's meant to be a husband that has been trying to help his wife deal with this stuff. So you you kind of feel, okay, so is there a frustration there? But you don't know the real time period. So it's just like, would there be a frustration or would there just be more of a concern? And so it's hard to really, I think, get behind his character because it doesn't really seem to be a um a likability there doesn't seem to be anything that resonates with you that makes you kind of understand and see things from his point of view and then let you kind of understand where his character you know his character's journey within this film but i guess look if you're a fan of um mysteries um if you're a fan of psychological dramas this 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 might be for you um yeah it's released on digital download on monday the 4th of february um it's a 15 certificate uh it's it's not a long film it's just like it's 86 minutes so just under an hour and a half um you can find it on itunes amazon google microsoft sky store sony you know the usual places it's 7.99 standard and 9.99 hd so yeah, if you're if you're into these sort of films, then um, yeah, this could this could be for you. You know, I I guess it's kind of similar to an old film called The Gift. You know, yeah. So I guess if you're a fan of that, you know, it, it's not quite a high rise. 
though, you know, I wasn't a great fan of that, but I think, you know, they're set in big skyscrapers, luxury skyscrapers, and they're both kind of psychological and odd, but yeah, it's not quite that, but yeah, I, I think maybe if you're a fan of that, you might, you might dig this as well, okay, so that is Distorted, um, starring Christina Ritchie, John Cusack, and a Brendan Fletcher, and it's out Monday the 4th of February, cool. So, I couldn't sleep, so I was going through Netflix, and I um, stumbled on a new film that kind of sounded interesting, Um, so I I figured I'd give it a stab, Um, it's called Polar, and it's directed by Jonas... Auckland, um, the screen pet, the screenplay is by Jason Rothwell. It stars Mads Mikkelsen, Vanessa Hughes, Catherine Wink, uh, Josh, Matt Lucas, sorry, Matt Lucas, Faye Wren, Ruby O'Fay, um, and it's based on a um, graphic novel by Victor Santos called Polar uh, Came From The Cold. And it was published by Dark Horse in 2013. Um, the gist of the story is... The world's top assassin, Duncan Vizsla, is settling into retirement when his former employer marks him as a liability to the firm. Against his will, he finds himself back in the game, going head-to-head with an army of young killers. Uh, So, Mads Mikkelsen plays Duncan Vileza, and... This is a really interesting film. Like, as I said, look, it, I didn't know what to make of it. Uh, and so, the way the film starts off, you're like, oh, what is this? Because it's all very, very bright, vivid colours. Um, and, yeah, what, what, what we're seeing in these opening few moments, it kind of, it really does set the tone for the film, because it's a bit graphic, it's um a bit out there, but you're intrigued, then all hell breaks loose, and you're like, oh shit, and there's one line that I think you don't realise is the emphasis for the whole film. It's like, um, the guy says, what happened? And he gets told, you grew old. Yeah. So, very, you know, and then the film jumps it kind of jumps forward a bit 
and we kind of see um, Duncan, and then the story starts to unfold upon his character, and so basically, he's soon going to um, be hitting his birthday, so he gets to retire from work, and he gets to, and when he retires, his pension Oh my god, it's just like you think, yeah, if my pension could be like that at 50, oh, life would be good, but um, yeah, so he's gonna, it, there's, um, I think it was two weeks before, yeah, two weeks before his birthday and retirement, and then he gets past a job, so he doesn't want to do it, he just wants to wait and um, retire, but uh, yeah, he kind of then decides, because he realises they're not going to stop harassing him unless he takes this job, but that him taking the job really kind of spirals everything forward, and so it's intriguing because, like, it's not a, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a PG film here, so it's graphic, you see sex, you see violence, you see crazy violence, but although you see crazy violence, it's paced, so you go through bits of this tranquil kind of low key stuff you know some general day to day happenings and then suddenly it goes boom crazy so you're kind of lulled into this sense of just day to day humdrum that this could be a, just an average guy doing daily stuff like everyone else. And then you're like, oh shit, no. He's a friggin' assassin. He's not like everyone else. But by doing that, you do get the sense that, yeah, he wanted to retire. That he did want out of the game. And so it kind of reminds you... Of like stuff like Leon, you know, it's not quite Leon, but you get that kind of, you know, you get that sense, that kind of feel, and that's the good thing, you know. He's he's got a neighbor, uh, play, Camille, played by Vanessa Hughes. And she's very skittish, very jumpy. And Hughes does a, a magnificent job of playing this character who is very withdrawn, you know, very shy, can be talkative, but isn't always sure what to say. And so we see this character interacting with Mads and... The thing is, like, being an assassin, you'd think he'd be a bit verbose. You'd think he'd be a little braggadocious, but he's not. 
he himself is very low-key, it's like he doesn't want, you know, he doesn't want this crazy life, and maybe in his youth he might have been a crazier person, but now, yeah, he, he's definitely on that retirement tip, so being forced to, um, you know, get back into things, you can see that he's, like, getting pulled in two directions, which is well played by Mads, because you do believe there's a conflict there, um, but the film is done in a, see, it's not the ninth degree like Sin City, you know, but it has got that weird kind of uber edge to it, um, there was a weird film, um, back in the day, that was about hitmen, um, and this, it's, you know, I guess you could say, like, the violence is a bit like John Wick, actually, thinking about it, so it's completely different from John Wick, but those weird kind of uber-violent moments on John Wick, it's kind of like this, but as it's based on a comic book, I think you do kind of get that sense of the grandiose kind of scenes in those moments when everything has just built up to that point that's just ready to explode. But, you know, you get, but the thing is, I think you do get the sense that this could be real. You know, that what the things that we see could happen in the real world. You know, you watch things like James Bond and you just think, eh, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy jumping, you know, doing a huge running jump, swinging on a crane where in real life you'd break your arms and then fall to your death, but then swinging on the crane, jumping on the next roof, carrying on running, you know what I mean, all this crazy stuff, no, but the, like the things we see here, it's all stuff that you think, yeah, that could happen, that's kind of realistic, and it's, so it sucks you in, really does suck you in, and you, I'm, I was really feeling for, um, Duncan, yeah, I was really with this assassin, all the way through the film, and then, you're, you, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, oh, I wonder if he gets to retire with Camille, that would be lovely, wouldn't it, you know, that'd be really sweet, he finally gets out of the game, and that gets to have a nice life. But, hey, you don't always get what you want, right? And there are some great moments in this film. Some really good twists. I, 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 I saw a review um, when I was just looking up the synopsis and everything of this. 
and someone saying that, you know, I, he didn't believe all the characters lived in the same world. And I think, look, the, the, the thing about it is, yes, you have, like, I think Mads Mikkelsen's character, Vanessa Hughes' character, are very grounded. Um, then you have a lot of other characters who are just a bit insane, you know, just a bit crazy, like, um, let's just think, uh, Faye Wren's character, Hild, is just a bit off, yeah, definitely a bit off, and then there's, um, Lavinia Yavari's Junkie Jane, who is definitely crazy. And yeah, they're a bit, because they're odd, they do, you could think, oh, do they fit? But I've come across odd people like that. So, you know, although they are very different, you can't say, oh, they don't fit the film. You know, you've got, like, um Robert Mallet's character, Carl. Again, he's a very monosyllabic character. But it still fits within the film. But you have to remember, these guys are assassins. These guys are murderers. So they're not really all going to be, like normal you know you like I think people watch things like the Bourne series and just think oh yes every killer is just gonna be this kind of eyes forward really focused just look if you're killing people it's gonna send you a little loops I would think so Having a having a variety of different characters, it I think it works. You know, it 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 fits within the nature of the film, and so yeah, I I really did enjoy it, and I really enjoyed the fact that you weren't always sure where this was going you know you weren't always sure what the outcome of you know proceedings would be so that that was um yeah that was fantastic that was it, it was an interesting, as I said, it's like the colour palette that was used. In certain places, this film just felt crazy and freaky. But then other, you know, when Duncan is at home, you know, um, I think he's in Nebraska. It's very cold, it's very subdued. So you have these contrasts, but the contrasts help really make this film, because they really then pull you from one world into this other world of killers, 
So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I would definitely say people to check it out. So, if you liked films like um, Kill Bill, John Wick, um, Collateral, I think Crank, like, um, probably Nikita, Leon, if you enjoyed these films, you will like this film. And then also, you think of films like um, Columbiana. If you think of that. And then you think of stuff like... Um, like the film I was thinking of, and I mentioned before. It was Shoot 'em Up with um, Monica Bellucci and Clive Owen. Now, Columbiana and Shoot 'em Up. If you like those films... This is so much better than those films, you know. It's better than Crank. And I, I, I would say, you know, we're getting in the vein of a, a, a Leon, but it's not quite Leon. But it's a great, fun watch. I, I definitely recommend it. Um, you know, I, you, I don't think you'd be disappointed. Yeah. It's a it's a lot of fun. I really yeah, I can't um I can't recommend it enough, people. So yeah, it's um Polar on um on Netflix. Hey, and I'm even gonna I enjoyed the film so much, I'm gonna go and check out the graphic novel by um Victor Santos. Because um yeah i want to i you know i want to see how the story develops as well you know so um hey maybe think about doing that once you've finished but yeah you'll find it on netflix and um it it was released on friday so uh it's a new film so yeah Get your January film fix going with this. Alright, I'm out. Okay, people. So, um, my my film club, which um, you'll find the link to the app in the details of this episode. Uh, they've recently done a study. And it finds that young people suffer from isolation more than over 55s um yeah so in their recent survey of 2040 people um around cinema going and loneliness in britain has it is found that over 13% of society always feels isolated in their day-to-day life with a further 59% saying they often do. Results generated by Census Wide on behalf of my film club state that 16 to 24-year-olds contributed the most, 22% to this 13% of the British population 
who always feel isolated on a daily basis. The 25 to 34 year olds made up the second highest proportion contributing towards 18% of the overall isolation statistics. Interestingly though, only 5% of the over 55s did. Britain's loneliest epidemic which until now is primarily seen as an issue for the older generation is also highlighted on the result that 40% of 16 to 24 year olds admit to finding that they struggle to find methods of socialising that appeal to them compared to 13% of those aged 55 plus. Other interesting findings show almost a quarter of 23% of respondents felt that there wasn't enough being done to create environments that cater for the needs of the more introverted members of society. More than a third of Brits, 36%, said they would actively seek out a community group who have similar interests in order to form new friendship groups with 50% of 35 to 44 year olds saying they would do so compared to just 24% of the over 55s. The 16 to 24 year old age group were proven to be more confident to chat about their own experiences of loneliness and anxiety with people who have suffered similar problems, 68%, compared to only 44% of 55-year-olds. Three in five Brits say they are more likely to, to attend a cinema if they were with friends, a group, than if they were alone. With a gender split of women, 65% to 54% men. You know, I don't mind attending the cinema on my own. Like, it, you know, because you're not going to talk during the film. Um, it is worth noting, though, that although the average cost of a cinema ticket has gone down from 749 in 2017 to £7.22 in 2018 people are still finding that high prices are determining their choice to stay at home with 68% choosing instead to watch films at via VODs subscriptions like netflix amazon you know all of that from the comfort of their living rooms a quarter 25 percent, obviously of respondents say they feel lazier than before with a further 23 percent not liking the stress of being around people in a confined environment to draw people back off peak pricing and regular discounting tops the list of encouragement 46% and well and as well as cheaper concessions 36% and a wider variety of films 26% um Wes Merchant 
the creator of my film club says of the results hopefully these results can provide further evidence of the urgent need to generate more community within our society targeting not just the older generation but the young too it is great to see they are more aware of themselves however the stigma of talking issues through is not much not such a scary prospect to them so um yeah there you have it people some interesting information and as i said look you can find um yeah, a link for the app in the details of this episode okay cool let's get on with the rest of the show Oh, people, before I get to the reviews, I nearly forgot. Okay, so the Mystonic Institute of Horror Studies delves into the, the depraved history of the notorious Grand Gouignol Paris um, Theatre of Live Horror with horror and hilarity, the legacy of the Grand Guignol. On Thursday, February the 7th, at the Horse Hospital, the Mystonic Institute is a celebrated organisation with branches in the UK and the US that is committed to bringing accredited level classes to the public that focus on the genre and themes surrounding horror while spotlighting some of the genre's world's most renowned critical literary and filmmaking alumnaries. Professor Richard J. Hand comes to the Mastonic London to discuss the shocking history of La Fita du Grand Guignol, the smallest stage in Paris that, from 1897 to 1962, was home to some of the most daring acts. Specialising in unique live horror, the company's productions were often inspired from real-life events, exaggerated to unhold and bloody extremes. Audiences were left laughing, crying, vomiting or screaming, sometimes in pain and sometimes in pleasure. Hand will discuss both the Grand Guignol's time operating and the profound impact it's left on horror in all forms in a class that is not for the weak of heart. Um, I'll put m the links to more information and booking in the details of this episode. So remember to take a look. Um, yeah, if you're into some Parisian horror, um, and you're free on the 7th of February. Okay, people, now let's get to the reviews. Well, I hope you in, um, hope you enjoyed the reviews, and, um, yeah, people, definitely, definitely, definitely go check Polar. It's on Netflix, man, so it's nice and easy, you know? Okay, well... 
let's um, see what's happening in the film world. So um, I think everyone knows that Kevin Smith has a reboot of his Jay and Silent Bob characters coming um, this year. And um, that film has been bought by uh, Sabian Films. They will be releasing it in um, North America. No word on who's going to be distributing for the rest of the world, though. Um, But this new film sees um, Jay and Silent Bob again making their way to Hollywood to stop a reboot of the um, old movie that, you know, was based on their life. So, you know... Hopefully it's going to be good. It does kind of ring a little bit like Jay and Bob Strikes Back. But I think that's meant to be part of the deal. You know what I mean? A reboot, uh, kind of a, but a sequel, but uh, something. But um, yeah, I believe that's going to be out this year. So yeah, it could be interesting. All right. So um, Steven Soderbergh, Soderbergh, Soderbergh is um he's attached to the um the you know the the much talked about third installment of Bill and Ted um yeah the Bill and Ted franchise this one is rumored to be called Bill and Ted face the music and it sees um it sees both characters as adults with their um, wild stallion and bandmates, but their music future that was, you know, predicted in the first two films hasn't quite gone to plan. But um, yeah, Sonnenberg is saying that the film could possibly come out at, for Christmas. And um, yeah. That would be interesting because there's been no word on, uh, you know, filming or anything like that. But he's saying it's hilarious. I mean, obviously, he's going to say that. He's not going to say it's the worst thing he's ever read. But, yeah, a script has been completed. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll wait to see what happens with that. You know, um, I think... Like, every week, there seems to be some new news of casting for the upcoming um, June film. And uh, so, this time, um, Zenadja is, um, you know, who everyone knows from Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, She was also in The Greatest Showman. Well, the big news is she is um, being courted to play Chani. And uh, so Chani is the love interest of Paul Atreides, who's playing, being played by Timothy Chalamet. And um, yeah, she is his, well, she's his courtesan. But she is his real love. She is essentially his true wife. 
Uh, I mean, this will be a different direction for the character from the previous film and the TV miniseries. So it'll be interesting to see, um, yeah, to see how how this goes. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, June is a desert planet, so it kind of makes sense that everyone shouldn't be white. You know, like we've seen previously. So it will be nice to have some diversity in, um, you know, in in these films. I mean, you would kind of feel that they would probably have a Moroccan look to them, a Sudan, a Sudanese look to them, possibly. So, yeah, you know, that that's uh, it could be an interesting take. But. Some news that is definite, um, Oscar Isaac, who has, yeah, he's been in, um, you know, a number of films, you know, Star Wars, Ex Machina, like, uh, yeah, he has been cast as Duke Leto, which is, um, yeah, the head of the House of Trades and the father of Timothy uh, Timothy Chalamont's Paul. Um, so yeah, very excited about this. William Hurt has played the character um, in the sci-fi series. Jurgen Bruckner played the role in the um, David Lynch film. Um, and yeah, he is, he's a great character, uh, and it's the kind of catalyst for everything that, um, that everything that happens, really, you know, because he is kind of forced to take the family to a track, a crack, a rackus, and then he's betrayed, which kind of spurs Paul to become what Paul becomes. Uh, and, yeah, it's exciting news, man. You know what I mean? We've got... Yeah, we. I mean, we've got Oscar Isaacs, Timothy Chalamet, Charlotte Ramplin, Rebecca Ferguson, Dave Batista, Stelkin Skargad. God damn it, man. This is a great cast and with Denis Villeneuve um you know helming god damn I can't wait for these films and it's got two films as well which I think is the right amount to tell this first story so um yeah looking forward to it um and people that's the show all right so I'm gonna see you next week uh, yeah, we're gonna have at least another couple of films to review, I'll try and get glass in the mix, you know what I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see how the week goes, okay, take it easy, watch films, have fun, peace.